Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Have you tried finding tickets for any live event lately? It's impossible to keep up and prices are crazy. That's why you have to check out Gold Star. Gold Star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant access to awesome events and special ticket deals. Concerts, live theater, comedy, dance, food fests, immersive experiences. You name it, Gold Star has access to special deals you won't find anywhere else with savings of 50% or more. Go to goldstar.com and use code DCPOD to save $10 on your first purchase. That's goldstar.com, code DCPOD to save $10. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is your host, Ryan J. Pelton, episode number 116. Coming at you, Edgar Swamp stops by the show for a special spooky Halloween edition. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips and advice on writing fast, writing often and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, often and well in no particular order. I'm your host, Ryan J. Pelton. So glad that you are here. So excited today to have a special Halloween edition of the Prolific Writer Podcast with Edgar Swamp. And Edgar Swamp has a new novel called Amber Hollow that we're going to talk about. And I wanted to have him on the show. Uh, this is coming out a little bit late. Uh, it's not Halloween. Halloween has passed if you are listening to this. And maybe, hey, maybe in a year in advance, this is next Halloween 2020, or maybe not. Who knows? It's weird to think about. But this is a special Halloween edition because Edgar likes to write in multiple genres. And actually within his latest novel, Amber Hollow, he tried to mix and match different genres, trying to appeal to a kind of a, a varying audience. And I really like that idea because we're going to talk about that and how he was able to kind of weave in some mystery elements and some horror elements. And it's a really fun story that he wrote. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing that with you in just a few moments. And there's a couple of things I want to share with you before we get into the interview. And one is we need to celebrate people is that we have just celebrated our 100,000th download. 100,000 downloads. That is insane, people. Uh, I started this podcast about, well, I think over almost three years ago, and we have 100,000 downloads. And what that means in podcast landscape, I don't know. But to me, that seems like a big number, and that's a exciting thing. And, uh, and so I just want to thank all of you that listen and all of you that have, have downloaded the podcast, all of you that have listened to the interviews, listened to me rant and rave, listened to my tips and tricks and whatever else. Uh, I'm humbled by that and so thankful for that. And thank you for following along uh, on the journey. Now, with the 100,000th 
download. That's pretty exciting. Um, is I also have a little bit of sad news. And the sad news is that I am no longer going to be on the Project Entertainment Network uh, family of podcasts. And so for this coming next year, um, we've decided to, to kind of part ways. So I won't be on, on that network. And I just want to thank the Project Entertainment Network uh, for being such a generous host to this show who asked, asked me uh, a few years back to come on and be part of the network. And they've supported this show and, and helped it get out in the world and um, has, has done ads for us and just really promoted the show. And so for them that they're a big part of the hundred thousand, uh, downloads and the success of this show. And so I just want to thank them for that. And that's going to be ending at the end of November, depending on when you're listening to this, we're at, uh, November seven. So, um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to be ending that relationship. Now with that, another kind of announcement is that I've been kind of thinking about, um, I have a project that's in the, in the works, another podcast that I'm going to be starting and a website that I'm going to be starting. That's going to be totally different than the writing podcast. And so I don't know what this podcast is going to look like. And, and that's really hard for me to say. I've enjoyed, uh, the hundreds of interviews I've done with people and I'm not going to stop interviewing people, but, um, I just kind of in this place of, of feeling like, you know, is there more I need to say about writing and publishing and marketing and, and all those kinds of things? And, and I think, of course, there's always more to say. Um, but I think for me personally, uh, you know, I, I don't think I ever envisioned this being a, you know, 10 year kind of podcast. Um, but there's other things I want to say, and there's, there's other, uh, things I want to discuss and which means that I, I still am going to be interviewing, uh, different, uh, creatives and artists and writers. And, and I think that will always be part of, uh, the people that I enjoy learning from and, and hearing from, because I think there's a lot of things we can learn from, you know, the artist folk and the writers. And, and so whatever, uh, podcast, this uh, new podcast is going to look like there's going to be those kinds of people, writers and screenwriters and, and filmmakers and, artists and, um, you know, but, but, uh, but a variety of people. And, and I think that's kind of where I'm at is I don't want to just limit, um, really this experiment that started three years ago was, I just wanted to, to I, I really wanted to interview the most prolific writers on the planet. And I've, and I've been able to do that and, and just really give you guys just a, a picture, a glimpse into what is possible for writing and publishing. And, and I hope that has come through and I hope you've been encouraged, inspired. I hope you have lots of, of, of things to kind of bring into your publishing business to bring into your creative world, um, uh, and, and use the, these interviews and use the things we've talked about for years and years about, uh, writing and publishing. And, 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 and a lot of it is evergreen and, and things do change of course. Um, but you know, for the prolific writer, it's, it's getting up and it's putting in the words and just doing the work and, and just keep producing, uh, more, more words and, and writing those stories and sharing them with the world. And that's really, you know, part of it. Um, and so, so I'm, I'm in the process, uh, of just figuring out kind of what the future looks like, what next year looks like. And I have, um, a bunch of interviews in the queue, uh, for the prolific writer that I'm going to be sharing with those. And those will probably take us to almost the end of the year. And I'm going to keep my promise and make sure we get those out there. Um, I'm also going to be switching my launch date to Mondays. Uh, so when you see the podcast go live, it's going to be on, on Mondays. Um, and so I'm going to be doing that. Uh, and hopefully that serves well, just works better, uh, for the rhythm of this show. And so I'm going to get those out there. And I also want to do some more kind of motivation Monday type stuff, just shorter kind of podcasts where I can kind of encourage you and things I'm thinking about and, uh, kind of get those words on the page. And so I, I think I'm going to keep, keep doing that, but I don't know what the prolific writers can look like in the future. And you just have to hang with me. And if you're interested in kind of following me over to a new podcast, I'll let you know when that, that comes out. And, uh, and a new uh, website that I'm, I'm kind of working on, getting some other writers involved uh, that's going to kind of deal with, with kind of a just kind of big topics of the day um, in, in culture and pop culture and, and politics and education and faith and, and kind of how faith kind of meets all those things together. I'm going to be talking a little bit about that, getting some other writers on board to talk about those things, but also just some mundane things in life, just just how you know we live as as as, as humans, as, as individuals, as families, um, and just kind of how faith kind of intersects with that and, and, and why that's important and, and what that looks like. And so, uh, that's kind of the new project. And so again, if you want to follow me over there, uh, that that's great. If not, Hey, 
uh, I hope this podcast has been helpful for you and, and, uh, and whatever it becomes, I hope you, you know, follow along, whatever, whatever it evolves into. Um, so thanks for, for being along for the ride. Now, one more thing. I know I've, this is not a typical introduction and I apologize, uh, that you have to hear my voice so, so much before we get to our interview with, with Edgar Swamp. But, uh, one more thing is I've, I've been trying to really kind of simplify the work I've been doing. And I've been in the throes of writing a novel for National Novel Writing Rights, so that's keeping me busy too. Um, but I wanted to make uh, some of the courses that I have created for writers more accessible and uh, and more uh, easy to kind of uh, get involved with and, and connect with. And so I'm, I'm moving uh, my kind of my big course, which is the 45 day novel. So if you've ever thought about writing a novel, I've done a course that teaches you how to write a novel in 45 days or less, even with a day job and how to write, edit, publish and market your book. And so, uh, if you're interested in that, I'm going to be moving that over to Udemy, uh, udemy.com. And it's just a great platform for online learning. And, uh, I think it's just a better tool for where I'm at and just to kind of simplify things. Uh, but w- what's really cool is the price of the course is going to kind of drop that I usually charge. And, uh, so and they always have coupons and things. So it's, it's a great opportunity to kind of get, get in there if you want to, uh, get in with the 45 day novel course. And I'm also going to have a free outlining course that I've shared with others, uh, on there as well. And so I'll be sharing those links later on as I get that kind of loaded up. Um, and so the website's going to be a little bit simplified, going to be, you know, have the podcast and the courses and ways to connect, but, um, not a whole lot else. And so that's, that's all on purpose. Uh, that's just kind of simplifying, uh, my life and, um, the work I'm doing and also, uh, being able to work on some other projects, but I, I know it's, hopefully it's going to serve you really well. Um, because there, there is just this piece of me that, that wants to keep serving writers, um, be, as, because they've served me so, so many ways and, um, and, and I've continued to learn and I, and I'm just loving, uh, being able to do that. So hopefully that'll be helpful. You'll hear more about that as well. So without further ado, I am so privileged and honored to interview Edgar Swamp. His new book, Amber Hollow, go check it out. And here is our conversation. And I'll see you on the other side. Well, hey, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast, and I'm so excited today to have Edgar Swamp on the show, and Edgar is the author of a new book called Amber Hollow, and I look forward to talking about Amber Hollow, and Edgar, we just were chatting offline, and you're in warm, nice, perfect San Diego, and I'm in cold, miserable Kansas City, and so so thanks for, uh, you know, uh, making time for the show, and uh, yeah, making time for me, so why don't you say hello and tell us something about yourself. Hi, thank you, Ryan. I really appreciate it, being invited on this show. And uh, as you said, yes, I'm in San Diego. I know you are calling from Kansas City in the Midwest where you guys are having a snowy Halloween, which it seems more and more as the years go by is either rain or snow. But uh, that said, there's autumn-like conditions here, and it, it feels like Halloween. And thank you so much for letting me be on your show on Halloween for a book that is Halloween themed. I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk about that because uh, one of the things you mentioned and, and we've, you know, as I kind of looked at your book is Amber hollow is that you, you kind of like to kind of mix up multiple uh, genres that the, the books you call it a mystery, but there is, you know, different genres kind of represented in it. And I want to kind of start there is kind of, you know, back up a little bit where, you know, where'd you come from? How, how'd you start writing? Uh, I know you have an interesting story. I won't, I won't give it all away, but yeah, tell us a little about yourself, kind of where you, you, you grew up and uh, yeah, how you started writing books. Thank you. Um, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Green Bay, actually deep here, um, east of here. It's separated by the Fox River. And that really was a thing there, <laughs> whether you're from the east side or the west side. And um, Growing up, there was a library on the west side of Deep Pier that I really enjoyed, and I read writers like Stephen King, Peter Straub, Richard Lehman, um, these horror writers that were um, uh, just uh, the, the bestsellers right next to these obscure titles that somehow made it onto a publishing house. And my fascination was with horror but I love mysteries, I love thrillers, action-driven stuff, and I always had a penchant for storytelling. And so 
Um, I actually started writing at a very young age. Unfortunately, I never did uh, tried to do it um, uh, professionally until later in life. I was um, enthralled by rock musicians, and so I tried to do that angle. I, I played in rock bands and traveled around a bit doing that, and that kind of, when that failed, I was like, hey, I'll, I'll go back to writing. <laughs> and um, a, a horror novel was what I did first. Um, I wrote a novel called The Guy Our Mission, and I self-published it through Amazon in uh, 2012. And I made every mistake you could make on that book. And so I'm on my fourth novel now. And what I hopefully I've dialed out is gratuitous anything, backstories, everything. Just like it's slim, trim, just ready to go. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Now, I, I think it's interesting. A little bit of your journey is very similar to a lot of writers that I talk to and interview and, you know, the, uh, you know, doing, doing something else, doing, having different jobs, having life experiences and, you know, but always kind of wanting to write, loving to read and then saying, you know, Hey, I think now's the time. And, and, you know, obviously indie, indie publishing has helped that for a lot of people and, um, giving them, you know, a platform and a voice and where in the past it was very difficult. Um, and you know, one of the things that was interesting too, you're, you're talking about, you know, Stephen King and Peter Straub and some of these guys is that when you read some of these books, I think people don't realize if they're not, you know, haven't read their work is that a lot of times there are kind of cross genre. You know, we think Stephen King, he's the purely, you know, horror writer, but, um, you know, the reality is a lot of his work, you know, there's always a, there's a, just a deeply kind of human element to it, kind of literary. There's, you know, action, there's mystery, there's all kinds of things. So, so talk a little bit, just kind of, as you were, you know, writing those first books, uh, writing this book, Amber Hollow, you know, what are some of the kind of influences of, you know, having kind of horror elements, mystery elements, like how does that work? Do you think about that consciously or is that just kind of how the stories uh, come out? I actually really planned this one. Um, I, I wanted to do something with a creepy town. In fact, I was influenced because I found out that Stephen King lived in Deep Here. And that's why I mentioned the East and West Deep Here. Is briefly, I think just two years of his life when he was a toddler, um, his mom, I believe it might have been his stepmom, they had a house in West Pier, and my my dad um, sent it to me, showing a, a listing for the house being on sale. And I was thinking, Deep Pier is such a creepy town, it could be like Gary Maine, you know, and it got me thinking of what would be a really cool thing with a creepy town in the Midwest and have some kind of tragedy befall this town that is so horrific, but that will not be, that it will be a whodunit type of mystery to the end of the book. And um, I really didn't want to write a word until I had planned everything. So I did um, want to cross genres with a, a whodunit style, but it, it had to be horrific. I could not think of anything in the real world to explain these events. But I tried. I was thinking a poisoned well, <laughs> some kind of uh, bacterial contagion. <laughs> I hate to like no, like I'm, I'm just—it's all misdirection. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just trying to make you look here while I'm pointing over there. Mm -hmm. And um, the fantasy elements that came into this book actually developed when I was writing it, just as I was trying to come up with stuff. And so, but but that was influenced by work by Peter Straub was actually uh, from Wisconsin. He's from Milwaukee. And he wrote a book that really resonated with me called Fantasyland. And, or no, sorry, I'm sorry, Shadowland, if, if you're familiar with his work. And it, it was just, it was horror. It was fantasy. It was, it was just really out there. And, but I did, in answering to give you a direct answer, I was directly putting these things together. But the fantasy kind of came up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Well, I like that. I, I think in our, you know, our day and age too, that there's something about, I think you mentioned in maybe on your website or somewhere I read that, uh, you know, having these multiple genres kind of, you know, can attract different readers because, you know, not everybody wants just the pure mystery. Some do, but, you know, some like the horror elements or the fantasy elements and kind of weaving those in together. I think, you know, in some ways, you know, Straub and King, they're kind of masters at that, you know, where they can kind of take realism, take a small town, make it creepy, you know, and just put people in real situations, but kind of add that kind of supernatural element or the fantasy element, which, which is always very scary, you know, when you think of, you know, just normal life and then kind of crazy things happening. Um, right. So, uh, so let's talk a little about Amber Hollow. So, 
you know, you, you were mentioning some of the research you did. And I always find that funny because when I research books, you know, if somebody were to, you know, look at my search history, they'd be like, what, what's wrong with this guy? Um, <laughs> and, you know, so, uh, so talk, talk us through that. How do you kind of, you know, do research in a way that, that makes sure that the, the story is, you know, accurate, but it's also fiction and doesn't sound too far-fetched yet it could happen. You know, is there, is there any kind of thought process when you think about that when you actually put the words oh, on the totally. page? Yeah, in fact, uh, near the end, I was just like finishing with Amber Hollow, and I was talking to a buddy of mine who lives in Green Bay who hunts and fishes in northern Wisconsin. And in northern Wisconsin is where I put the village of Amber Hollow. And I was talking to him, and I was describing it. And he's like, dude, you're in upper Michigan. And I'm like, oh, no, I had to go back. And I had to look at maps of Wisconsin, and I had to uh, um, pick a town and then choose it to be the location for the city and then create a county that it could be in and then put everything back a few miles. Um, so I also have to research whenever I do um, any police or anything that involves firearms or uh, munitions, uh, research guns. Um, and in this case, I had to research um, the topography or that's the wrong word. Um, what the city of Green Bay was like in 1991, it's kind of a period piece. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a bridge there that is, is, um, I, is I use in the book that uh, um, was renamed at one point. So I had to make sure I had the old name for the bridge prior to its renaming and mon some, some stuff that sounds mundane. Mm -hmm. But oh, here's the fun stuff. I had to research serial killers in Wisconsin. And that was the fun part was, um, there wasn't a whole lot, but of the ones to choose from, they certainly are interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I read that on on your bio uh, somewhere, or uh, one of the press releases, or something about uh, was it uh, who is the big name serial killer in from Wisconsin? I'm, I'm forgetting the name. Well, the the the, the two biggies are Jeffrey Dahmer oh, yeah, and Ed right. Gein. That's right. And uh, so what I what I wanted to do is I wanted to somehow incorporate them, and I found another guy who isn't really a serial killer, but he committed an atrocious crime during the year that this novel takes place. And it fit right in there because um, um, I'm using the Brown County Sheriff's Department as the police uh, that are investigating the crime. And um, uh, my father worked for them. And so I was able to get details about that, that police station, their operations, uh, um, the hierarchy of uh, the officers, captains, and so on from my dad. I was able to save myself research time just by asking him questions. Hmm. And um, uh, it turned out there was a crime that fit right in that they plausibly could have investigated at the time. It was, it was a multiple homicide, so it wasn't a mass murder, but it was, it was five people, and it was pretty gruesome, so <laughs> hmm. it kind of fit right in. So, uh, on this thread, let, those that are listening, I know we have writers that are just beginning and those that have been around for a while is, uh, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, putting a story together, there, there's, you know, debates on, you know, how accurate do you need to be? You know, if you're doing, you know, you're going to do this town in Wisconsin, you want to, you know, you've obviously decided, Hey, I want to make sure I get this right. And the geography's right and all that. Um, but is there, I mean, is there a place for, you know, just saying, you know what, I'm just going to make it all up. It's, it's kind of, you know, I, I don't know if Stephen King of Castle Rock and his Castle Rock is a real place or the, or the things he picks up, but anyway, you know, that idea is, is it, is there what is one way better than the other? Or is that just kind of personal preference or, you know, how do you kind of decide if I just want to make this, you know, historically accurate or just kind of, you know, it's just totally fictional. Oh, it's, it's fun to just totally make it up. In fact, where Amber Hollow is located, I, I ignore the idea that there's an upper Michigan mm -hmm. and I have it be, what I call the Alpha National Forest, because I just wanted there to be no man's land in between them and anything else. And in reality, where I put my town, there's like a city 10 miles away. <laughs> so, I, so I did ignore that. And um, the only reason I wanted to be correct about the geography was for anybody in Wisconsin who read it, because I, I was debating going back into the PDF before submitting it for the final proof. Um, and I was like, come on, man, it's like 50 miles. But I was like, well, somebody up in that area, if they read it and they were possibly going to review it or, you know, feature it in a paper, um, they might feel like I insulted them by not knowing 
generally the the area, you know. But anything else, I think it's fair game. Like I'll make up, you know, as far as um, stores, restaurants, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it is easier actually uh, to just make stuff up than to actually research stuff. Sure. <laughs> I guess it depends on on your method of writing. But for me, I I can just kind of pull it out of a hat. That's good. That's good. I like that. Uh, now, on do you have any um, advice or resources when it comes to you already mentioned kind of you know uh, police procedures and you know guns and things like that because I think you know I, I write a lot of like mysteries and things that have you know police involved and FBI and you know uh, you know medical folks and all that and it's like oh, you know, that, yeah. that's not my area of expertise and you sound like a dope because you're just trying to make it up but. Um, you know, any, 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 um, guidelines or, uh, you know, websites that you kind of look at or people you talk to, to kind of get all that stuff, right? You know, I, I gotta confess, I use Google and, okay. um, if, if, uh, Google seems to be, I, I did write a book that, um, what was prior to Amber hollow that I needed people speaking Spanish. I, I actually consulted, um, a person who spoke it fluently. And um, actually, I consulted him, but he had to consult a cousin of his because it depended on the region of Mexico that I came from. I wanted Tijuana, and he lived near Guatemala. And so, like America, the regional dialects, different use of the speech. Um, that was that was so. Got it. Not to feel like I'm boxing around this answer, but um, that was a specific where I didn't want to trust Google. Like with Google, I'll trust it to look up C4 and detonation <laughs> devices and stuff like that but but in this book i wanted if i was going to you know use a different language than english i wanted that to be right and so so in situation like you said medical like yeah you want to have some basis of reality and if you can speak to somebody who actually knows mm-hmm. um that really helps because like like having my dad know the, the the police department that i used really helped, I think, lend some authenticity than otherwise, you know, I may have had. Hmm. So, so it does help to actually talk to people. <laughs> but yeah, Google yeah. is a great resource for, yeah. for general stuff. Yep. So those listening, if you've ever heard of Google, go check out Google. Um, right. It's that new, that new thing. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. it's funny. Like my, my wife and I used to watch ER, you know, the TV show back in the day. And, uh, oh, sure. And she's a nurse and she used to sit there and just go like, oh, that's not how that works. Oh, that's not true. Like, but yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Even they as much, that a lot. yeah, even as much as they, they try to get it right. There's so many things that are just like, yeah, that's, that's fake. Uh, but anyway, uh, but you know, that's the, the joy of writing fiction, right? It's, it's, being able to kind of just let your imagination go and, and have fun with it. And, and, you know, you're not always going to get it perfectly right. Um, no. Now, uh, w- one of the things that you are, uh, y- you know, you've already actually hinted at it a little bit and you've talked about is you've come into writing a little bit later and, and it's always an encouragement, I think, for those listening too, because we have people, you know, young, you know, high school, college, but we also have people in their, you know, seventies, eighties that listen to the show and, and writers as well. Um, is, you know, you've come into the, the writing game a little bit later. Um, and part of that was, you know, you were, you were a rock star. I mean, apparently that's what, what, what I read about oh, you I and, read. Uh, I was, that was <laughs> and, uh, and, and dropped out of college. But, um, you know, talk a little bit about that kind of, you talk about how the, those decisions kind of affect you today and kind of the work you're doing today, but yeah, talk about that. Okay, well, I was a student at the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee, which is a great school, lovely town, and um, grunge had hit. It was like 91, and um, I was playing in bands where we were playing that kind of music, and we were already dressing like that. I literally felt like it was where I would have been, and on kind of a a footnote, I was actually born in the Seattle area, but it was because my dad was stationed there in the military and moved back to Green Bay because that's where his family is. And in the 90s, I was like, if we had stayed there, I would have been jamming with Kurt Cobain. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I, I thought it was destined to happen. I thought I didn't need school. And uh, this, this, to anybody listening, follow your dreams, but also temper it with some reality. <laughs> I thought this is how silly I was as a 20-something-year-old man. I figured if, if the rock star thing didn't work out, I'd just write a best-selling book. Mm-hmm. How's that for shooting for the moon? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't need college, but um, uh, so I did. I I chased the music dream for longer than anybody probably sensibly would. Lived in cars, warehouses, 
abandoned uh, lumber yards, uh, in places no one would even want to visit. And um, I got to do a lot of cool stuff. And I saw a lot of really great things. And I, um, uh, at the age of 30, it just you, you got sick of sleeping on floors. And so um, I actually ended up working with animals. I found a, a, a career of sorts um, working in a veterinary uh, field as a veterinary technician. And that actually paid pretty well. And um, um, was, what, what it actually did was it, I had to kind of clear my head, so to speak, which left me open to writing. I I couldn't drink as much anymore. <laughs> I needed to show up uh, at work in a bright-eyed and bushy tail. So and I had to get up early, and it, it was a better uh, headspace for me to write and more clearly and concisely. Music is a little more abstract, but um, um, and uh, working in the animal field is what led me from Wisconsin to Southern California, where I still actually do that. I'm not a paid writer yet, but. Hey, again, to anybody listening, um, always follow your dream. Temper it with a bit of uh, sanity and reality, but anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Actually, working with animals is what helped me to write these books, um, helped me to uh, go and do things I probably never would have. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, been, it's been a long road, but it's been a lot of fun. And hopefully, uh, I just write something that people want to read and go you know, because mm-hmm. I've written books that people have not wanted to read. <laughs> so I know how that feels. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for, Edgar, thanks for sharing that. Because I, I know that's that's probably a lot of people that are listening to the show. That's kind of their story, too, is, you know, wanting to write, you know, doing other things, you know, chasing other dreams and then realizing, you know, maybe I need to, you know, get serious about this and, and go for it. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I think it's great because I think it, we live in this time where maybe in the past it wasn't, you know, as the opportunities weren't as, as many, you know, now with self-publishing and indie publishing and small press and, you know, online, you can get your work anywhere around the world. You know, that, that's such a, a benefit for, for writers just getting, getting started where I always tell people it's never too late. You know, it's never too late. If you have breath in your lungs, you can do it. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and I love that just, you know, and, and I think there's some, there's something I talk about, you know, keeping the day job as long as you can. I, you know, I still have a day job and I think there's also some benefits to that too, where you don't put all this pressure on this one book, you know, to be the bestseller and, and all that. Oh, we, totally. Yeah. We don't yeah. to live the writer dream and, you know, have, you know, live off our, our work, but you know, it's hard. It's difficult. People don't, don't realize that. So, um, oh, yeah. Very. yeah th- yeah. yeah. So thanks for sharing that. Um, now I, I imagine, you know, all your travels, you know, trying to be Kurt Cobain and, you know, oh, yeah. rock star and, you know, working in, in veterinary field and all that, that, that some of that kind of informs your writing and, and you bring in, you know, ideas, experiences, you know, you obviously your latest book, Amber Hollow is from a kind of a fictional place, but a, a real place at the same time where you grew up. Uh, you know, and some of those influences. So h- how do you kind of think about, you know, when you kind of sit down to the page and, you had this story idea. Give us kind of the, the genesis of the Amber Hollow story. Kind of what was the seed of the idea? How did you kind of bring some of these elements into your writing? What, that, what does that look like for you? I just, I really wanted to write a story that was for all audiences. I, I read a lot of, of authors who um, found um, uh, audiences writing books that today probably wouldn't sell. Um, so I wanted a real broad idea, very general, all age kind of idea. And the seed of it was thinking of the creepy cow and then putting the elements in the place of, um, okay, it's going to be police investigating a tragedy that happens and where is it going to go from there? And to be honest, my process on this one was actually to outline the whole thing. I didn't want to write anything until I had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And even if the end was going to change, I wanted to make sure it wasn't going to be something that was going to stall in the middle. Because I had, in the same year, I had written and stopped three different projects, all for three different reasons, but end end, end, uh, story with each one of them is I didn't see any marketability. And I wanted something that people would read. And so I wanted to put all kinds of elements in, which are obvious to some people, like um, characters you can root for. (laughs) I've, I've written books where people are like, I hate your characters. And you were supposed to hate him, you know, but, but it's, I wanted something people wanted to read. So 
creating likable characters that you can root for, creating a situation that is horrific, yet bringing, like you said, with Stephen King, the human level, you know, making sure that you're always identifying people's thoughts and emotions and how they process stuff. Um, and like, not like I've made the mistake of like talking down to people in my writing, being really snarky and sarcastic. And I dialed that out of there. You know, you want to, you want to invite people in. You want it to be like, Hey, come on in and enjoy this with me. Not cram something down some people's throats, which I felt like kind of did with previous works. Um, so the process was to really make the reader be involved. So that was fun. Like in, in the end, like they're like, liking the characters. Wow, I'm liking the story. God, I have no idea where this is going. And wanting to get to that ending. And with this book, this is the only thing I will, will pat myself on the back for. I think the ending is like, I think is the best ending I've ever written. And if I'm wrong, well, then I'm wrong. <laughs> but I really do. I think like the payoff, if anybody reads it and stays with it, I think I, I give anybody their uh, 99 cent Kindles worth. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, and I think, you know, it's funny, the, the, the ending and the payoff really, it does matter. I, I think that's one of my, at least his early stuff, Stephen King, I love Stephen King, but sometimes his endings just don't, I don't know. They, 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 right. they leave me a yeah. little like, okay, oh, that's it. Um, you know, You're like, what? yeah, yeah. I think his early stuff was much better endings and kind of, uh, actually some of his newer, uh, I read, uh, is it, have you read revival? Um, I did. Yeah. And actually the ending I can't was remember of, the ending, but yeah. I remember liking the book. Yeah. It was a great book. And then the ending was kind of like a thud. So, um, probably why I don't remember it. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay. Yeah. Most of it was good, but, uh, but no, I, I think that's, um, you know, you're, you're describing kind of your process of evolving as you write, right? Your every book um, yeah. is a little different. And, and I don't know if I'm hearing you correctly, but does it sound like, uh, maybe in your process, you're not, you, you don't force, you know, it's, I got to outline the whole thing or I can just pants the whole thing. It's kind of like whatever the project kind of needs. Is that kind of your, your way of looking at it? Oh, totally. I just, with this one, I just wanted to make sure I, since I had started and stopped several ideas, I just wanted to make sure I was going to start something I'd finish. Yep. And, um, but I do let it evolve on the page. Like, um, uh, the fantasy actually came in on a random Saturday where I came up with the scene because I needed, I needed something to really give the creepy to this mm -hmm. town. Mm -hmm. And it came up in a fantasy type of way. And I was like, wow, does that even fit? And I was like, well, let's just go with it and see if it works. And it ended up working. And it ended up um, really being a cool element of it that I never even thought I would go there. So like anybody writing and just, just, you know, if something flows in a direction, explore it. You know, don't put a timeline on yourself. Let it evolve, you know. Mm -hmm. If um, if most people are writing for the sheer joy of writing, which I actually really love it, and I can tell that you do too, that you, you would do it regardless, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it, it's just having fun with it and not being, like you said, going back to having, you know, we all have jobs. Um, there's no editor screaming at you that your deadline is Monday. Mm -hmm. So, um, essentially, um, hello, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, I, I'm babbling. So, so no, I, no, I figured yeah, no. you went to sleep. Yeah, no, no, I fell, I fell asleep. No, I, I yeah, I was taking a nap. No, 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 no. But I, I love what you're saying. Is is that's actually something we kind of preach around here? Is is letting each kind of book and and letting each writer kind of be who they are. And you know, because there's, I mean, there's a lot of talk of you know you have to outline, or there's a lot of talk. You no, know, you can't outline. I mean, Stephen King is very much like, how boring is that to outline? Why would you ever do that? Um, right. And yet, you know, sometimes his books do meander, and sometimes they they don't have great endings, and you wonder maybe if he thought it out a little more maybe you know um but you know who are we to critique stephen king but uh, all right you know it's but funny. i think that's I, the I, yeah that's the joy it's like you're giving people permission to you know write the way you want to write and let the project be what it needs to be i i've actually you know it's funny i i uh i'm a little more of an organic writer and and kind of write into the dark but there's times where like i'll get into the middle of a work and i'll actually go back and then or maybe outline the last like half of the book because I, I, I feel like, okay, I got this really good start. I'm to the middle, but like, 
you know, where's the, the ending, where's the going to be the punch, you know, and you kind of, you know, sure. almost do an outline right in the middle just to make sure it's solid and it, it's connected and you're not getting lost. So, um, oh, yeah, there's, totally. there's just no way, you know, there's no, I don't think there's a wrong way. Cause you talk to 10 authors and you have 10 different, you know, processes. So, uh, oh, totally. In fact, like Kurt Vonnegut used to do like dioramas. I remember <laughs> reading, he did it in an auto autobiographical book. Like he would uh, use um, cardboard construction paper mm-hmm. and make these dioramas on his wall that would represent the book. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, I could not see that as a process, but right. whatever works, you know, whatever. And, and what makes it fun for you, right. you know, I mean, like what you just described, it sounds like that sounds like a lot of fun, you know, mm-hmm. that you were at this point with your story and you wanted to hit it as concisely as you could. So hence kind of step away from it, you know, mm-hmm. and then hammer out details how you want them to be. Because yep. that, I mean, it, you know, and, and I, one thing I will always speak very encouragingly of is rewrites. Mm-hmm. I rewrite the crap out of my stuff. It's like what anybody's seeing as a finished product is easily 12 drafts, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if not more. I, it's, and some writers are proud. Oh, I can knock that out in three drafts. I feel like I'm selling myself short if I don't, you know, keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Because but, but that's a process and some people, they can do it in two drafts. That's great. You know? Now, so, do you, uh, do you have in mind when you start uh, a project, do you have in mind kind of a word count or like how long you want the book to be? Or is that just kind of part of the, the, the fun of it? Just seeing where it goes. Well, this one I definitely did. Cause one of the biggest critiques I got with my earlier books was that they were too long. Hmm. Everybody was like, yeah, I liked it, but it was too long. You could, you could say, you could, you could tell that story in half the time. Mm-hmm. So with Amber Hollow, I picked 80,000 words. I was like, all right, there's going to be 80,000 words because that is uh, essentially the minimum requirements for a fiction book. <laughs> so I was like, I'll hit the minimum. We're good. It ended up actually being 92,000 mm-hmm. uh, because of all my rewrites. But um, I did. I specifically, because I made the mistake with my first novel of, of just going and going and going. Mm-hmm. I had an end workout, don't laugh too loud, <laughs> of almost 300,000 words. Oh. And, yeah, you, you, you must read a lot of Stephen King. <laughs> exactly. It was, like, yeah. it was basically putting out this stand unabridged uh, as my debut novel. And yeah, so yeah. it was this New York telephone book that, uh, that the publicity people I hired, I mean, they didn't even know what to do with it. So I think <laughs> they probably just told me they were doing stuff, and it, they just put it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, that's another thing. Think about scalability if you're looking at getting your books out there. And so, like, do think about page counts. Think about, you know, do I need this many? Do I need this meandering backstory? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I just, I, I cut it right to the bone on this one. No backstory, no subplot tangents, just yep. get to the meat of it, you know? Well, I, I think there's a, you know, there's a transition happening, I think with, you know, streaming services and, you know, Netflix, just this idea of like, you know, binging and, you know, eBooks and, you know, people just don't have time. I mean, they have, it's not like we have less time than we do now, but I think is there's so much available that people do wrong. Oh yeah. Want stories that yeah. you know, move, move along. They want TV shows and movies that move along. You know, they can't meander for hours and hours and hours. Um, uh, And, you know, and I think that's something for writers to think about, you know, how they write their stories. Like you said, you know, you, you cut out some of those side stories or backstories, you know, is that necessary? Um, you know, and there was a time where books were bigger just because the publishers had to justify, you know, selling costs and, and they had to, they they wanted these big fat titles on the shelf and they looked better and, you know, but now we're just in such a different day where, you know, with, you know, uh, print on demand and, and eBooks and all that, not as important. Yep, you are so right. And print on demand has been great. I am self-published. My the four books I put out are all through Amazon, and um, uh, because of what you said, because of streaming, because of uh, iPhones and iPads and the technology we have today, people don't read as much. And um, the shorter your work is, the more likely that somebody might read it. Like, oh, I can read this on the plane, or you know, or in the car on some trip or mm-hmm. something that is, you know, if you, 
you're trying to sell some thousand page book and even if it's great, um, you know, you kind of look at it and like, well, uh, I'll be working on that all year because there's football season, basketball season, you know, I catch up on the Hulu and my Amazon prime. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much, in fact, because of self uh, publishing, the, the market is saturated. Mm-hmm. And so it's that much harder to get anybody out because you're now competing with 200,000 people that are self-published on top of maybe the 300,000 or more who are traditionally published. It's, mm-hmm. it's so hard now. Self-publishing is, is like uh, the poison and the cure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. great, but since it's, it's, we can all do it, it is great for people to find a voice though that never would have. Mm-hmm. And I encourage anybody to do it because it's really actually cheap. The, mm-hmm. the money comes into uh, marketing and that's mm-hmm. where, that's where the time and the effort are. That's the harder part you find. And I know that you know this, um, that the fun part is writing the book mm-hmm. and the bummer the hard stuff is trying to sell it. That's where you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's where you're like, ah, uh, this part again. Yeah. And you got to yeah. brace yourself for criticism, uh, people ignoring you. Uh, you just got to up your Prozac and just get through it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to talk to annoying, annoying podcast hosts and, you know, all no, that. I'm no, I'm so delighted kidding. to be invited on the show. <laughs> thank you. You're, you're, you're great, Ryan. I really uh, appreciate that. I have, to, I have to thank JKS Communications. Yeah, for hooking me up with you, that is very, very cool. And on Halloween, no less. That yeah. is really great. Yeah, no, that's why I'm. I was actually really excited because every year I've tried to have someone kind of at least you know horror related or Halloween related books, so we can have a kind of a holiday or a holiday or Halloween cool. uh, special show. But uh, yeah, no JKS Communications too. They uh, they got they sent me a couple other authors, so it's great. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, because they they've really been making me happy. I mean. Mm-hmm. They they turn stuff up. I mean, with self-publishing, it's hard for traditional media to accept self-published titles unless Oprah promotes yeah. them or yeah. Jimmy Kimmel is like, read this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I in fact just uh, just as a side note, I prominently feature both the city of Green Bay and this tiny little podunk town in northern Wisconsin called Rhinelander, mm-hmm. both of whom uh, their newspapers declined. <laughs> And and not like any kind of involvement in this. And I just thought it was funny because I'm like, I'm not trash talking your little town. It's an homage to the the to your city, to the state. But it, but it goes back to self publishing. You know, right. it's it's it has yet to become this legitimate, you know, entity that the traditional media will support. Yeah. So so JKS has found all kinds of stuff where you know bookstagrams i never even heard of that before mm-hmm. and and has opened my eyes to these podcasts which are great mm-hmm. i mean there's there's just a wealth of stuff out there there's so many different avenues and then going to all the things that we have to uh entertain ourselves and educate ourselves mm-hmm. with you know through movies podcasts streaming it's endless well so how I- is anybody gonna have time to read a book yeah, well, I, I think that's, you know, I, I would tell any author, you know, get on a podcast because that's where people, you know, live and, and it's growing and growing and people can listen to you anytime, any place. And, and it's just a great medium, you know, for, they can do it on their own time and, you know, they can binge shows, they can just like, you know, Netflix a little bit. And, uh, but that's where, you know, the radio is not what it was and traditional media is right. not what it was. And so, yeah, there's just these great avenues for, for people like yourself that, you know, and myself, they can can kind of find their way into their own and find their own audience. So I think it's great. Um, now, yeah. one, now one of the things Edgar you talk about uh, a little bit is, and I, and I like the way you talk about this on your website, but, um, or, or maybe it was one of the press releases. I forget. Sorry, I'm getting my information confused, but uh, no you, talk, you talk a little bit about how your politics kind of shapes your writing too. And, and I like the way you, you, you talked about this. You said, you know, I don't have this like agenda that I'm, you know, kind of weaving into my work, but there is, you know, there is the, political you know a little bit of that that flavor in there so how do you, how does that you know how do you define that or how do you think about that when you're when you're kind of writing uh as far as the political climate of the day well i always try to stay timely with any anything i'm working on i wrote a novel many years ago that was very politically charged called glitch in the machine and it got a little overboard and um 
I didn't want to make anybody mad. Um, in Amber Hollow, um, it, I am channeling themes regarding the hashtag Me Too movement mm-hmm. in that um, it's, it's themes that I that actually organically came up in the book and uh, became um, a crux of the idea. Um, and I realized I was pulling it from the headlines and from Yahoo and from the news I was reading every day. And um, that I'm influenced by what I'm seeing happening around me and how I can kind of pick those elements out and then weave them into a story. And, and I try to keep it um, on, uh, on a morally uh, sound compass, you know, where it's, where it's pointing true north and you're not trying to deviate it or, or insult anybody. Honestly, I don't want to, again, you don't want people to read your work. You don't want it. If, if you're, if you have an audience already that wants you to enrage them, <laughs> then say whatever you want. But I, I was channeling um, uh, politically or socially kind of the hashtag Me Too movement and, and saying that the Amber Hollow, it's also about women's empowerment. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that I would spoiler it if I went into detail. It's kind of, it's a, you have to read the book to understand it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it is something that I deliberately, as I was going in, I was like, wow, this ties right in. And it, and it was the idea behind the story. So, so I, didn't, I didn't get into too much anything politically. And interestingly enough, the book, it takes place in 91. And George W.H. Bush was the president. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets a passing mention just in regards to the economy. And that was it. That's, that's all I, I delved into it. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I think, you know, what I think when people get, you know, they get nervous politics. Oh, you know, someone's got to preach at me about their politics. But but it's like it's just being aware of kind of what's going on in the day and, and the big conversations. And, and I think if you're paying attention, it's just going to naturally kind of flow into your work in some way. Or, or somehow. And I think it's kind of like what you said, it's like, you know, you're not trying to cram anything down anybody's throat, but just kind of, you know, make aware, um, you know, what's going on. And I, I love, you know, I think nonfiction, it's funny, like nonfiction, you can be very direct. Obviously you can talk about these issues very directly, but right. fiction and telling a story using these elements is actually really powerful. It's kind of a, I don't want to say a backdoor, but it's, it's a way to kind of get into people's psyche and, and, you know, hearts and minds and souls where, you know, I, I wrote a book, I didn't realize I was doing it too. It was, a, it was about race. And, and the, one of the wow. main, main characters was, uh, or I should say the one, one of the main antagonists was a racist and, and that kind of played into the story, but it was just because of kind of what was going on a few years ago and, in, in you know, Missouri and the Michael Brown who got shot and wow, right. police and stuff. Right. And like, I didn't, I didn't set out to like, I'm going to write this, you know, story about this racist guy, but it was, it's just kind of weaved in and it wasn't, you know, it's not, overtly um you know political on any means it's just kind of showing the realities of like yeah people don't get along at times and and things like that so um and i think you know fiction is a powerful it it makes you think it makes you feel it makes you because you are dealing with people and feelings and and lives and um where where i think even in nonfiction, sometimes it doesn't even have the impact it could because you don't have the emotion as much you just have like facts or you have yeah you know what i mean and, yeah, and totally. yeah, when you have two two characters talking and one's like hurt and one's crying and one's, you know, angry or whatever, it really does kind of feed you in a different way. Um, it does. Yeah. And I'll have to check that out. Um, uh, your books. Yeah. It's, I'm definitely interested. I love that you write mystery. Yeah, it's uh, it's called colorblind. Yeah, it's it's a uh, I wrote I wrote this. It's kind of similar to what you kind of have done. It's you know I'm I'm in Missouri, so I I made up a fictional kind of Missouri small town where most of this takes place. But it's it's a uh, kind of an underworld in the small town Leclaire, Missouri, which isn't a real place. But um, and so the all all the stories take place in this one one place, and and uh, and and there's this kind of racist evangelist that comes into town and ends up being kind of this. You know, mastermind and all this kind of stuff. So, um, that sounds cool. Yeah. I anyway, but yeah, it's like, you know, and you won't realize I've talked about this on the show too, is like how much of your own self comes out of those stories too. Like, uh, oh, really, you find yourself yep. in those characters. Yeah, yep. definitely. I mean, I, we had a, a child who passed away about 10 years ago and, um, and that oh. came out in one of my stories too. So it was like, I didn't realize I was writing that to kind of my own healing, my own kind of oh. expression, you know what I mean? And, and you go, Oh, yeah. well, that's, that's a little bit of, 
of me. Well, you that's, know? That's yeah. very understandable. I'm very yeah, yeah. sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's the joy of writing, and that's the healing part of writing. I think it, uh, it really is. Yeah. I would say, actually, I'm in all my books in mm-hmm. pieces of each character. Mm-hmm. Never directly as a whole, sure. but sure. I'm, I'm a little element. And, and maybe you do the same thing, and I'm certain a lot of other writers. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. you do themselves in little in, in a in a something one character might say or some habit that some character has. Yep. And um, on, a, on kind of a fun note, I always have a cameo of me in my books, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, but but it's it's something like only anybody who knew me would know. So mm-hmm. it's like I always put an inside joke in there. <laughs> that it's like um like my family was recently reading my book, I'm reading Amber Hollow, and they found the part where I was in there, and it was and it was just a reference from a phone call. They're like, hey, there you are, and I'm like, yeah, there's me. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> And well, that's, to do too. yeah. And that's, you know, that's what I love. Like Stephen King, you know, the way he uses, you know, certain settings and, and characters. I mean, he brings in characters all the time and uh, oh, know, totally. from other yeah. books and you're like, Hey, I've seen that guy. Oh before. yeah. I love yeah. he's got a whole universe yeah. where everything weaves in and makes sense. It's like, it's like Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somehow it, it's all connected, yeah. you know, that's fun. And, and that is really cool that yeah. I really like that he does that. And actually I kind of borrow that and I kind of, do that too. I have some ties where I'll reference one of my previous novels. And the, and the idea is that hopefully one will sell or, or become popular. And then my other novels would be read then, and then those dots would be connected. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the hope anyway. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, Edgar, this has been uh, fantastic. And as we get towards the end here, uh, I want to uh, give you a chance. I know, so Amber Hollow just came out, I think a few weeks ago, uh, literally. That's correct. On October 15th, uh, for, in paperback and uh, ebook, Kindle ebook and paperback through Amazon. Okay. And yeah, go check out his, his newest book, Amber Hollow. And today we're recording on Halloween. This will be actually live pretty soon. So um, go check that out. And then uh, is there anything you're working on right now after, I know sometimes, you know, the, the, the post book hangover, you know, but is there any, right. any projects you already are kind of looking forward to in the future? And then also tell us where we can find you. Okay. Um, well, I was thinking like a Bukowski, David Sedaris type of real life stories about crazy jobs. Uh, band travels and so on, stuff like that. Um, but it, it, as I thought about it, it felt kind of like a vanity project, even though the mm-hmm. stories are amusing. Mm-hmm. Um, my first novel, uh, The Geyer Mission, um, has been recommended by just about everybody I know says that's the one that was the 1,100-page monstrosity. Mm-hmm. Cut that sucker into a quarter of what it is. If, if the Ember Hollow were to find an audience, I would put out my first novel again, but heavily edited and just slim it right down to 100,000 words from its monstrous 300. And um, it was something that I think anyone who liked The Amber Hollow would really enjoy as well. A fast-paced horror. Um, uh, this one would be about mutants on a garbage island. <laughs> but but still the same thing. And... Um, uh, what was the second question? <laughs> yeah, just what, where's the best place to, to find you and oh, find your work? Thank, thank you. Um, my website is www.edgarswamp.com. And uh, there's a link on there to purchase the book directly from me or uh, through Amazon. Those those are the two main places right now. Great. And Kindle, the Kindle version is a deal at 99 cents. <laughs> oh, free with Amazon Prime. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good. I'm, I'm going to go, go get my own copy. And uh, well, hey, Edgar, uh, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and helping a lot of writers today and all the best with your work. And uh, yeah, you. look forward to hearing. Thank you hear- for having me. Yep. Look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you so much, Ryan. You are a great host. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk right. to me today. Have a good one. Well, there you have it. Prolific writer nation, Edgar Swamp. Go check out his book, his latest work, Amber Hollow. Uh, what a fantastic uh, conversation. I, I just, again, just love the, the, the privilege of having these uh, amazing writers on the show. Just talk about their journey. I love, the, you know, living the rock star dream and realizing, you know, maybe this isn't, you know, the long-term goal and just getting into writing and just 
trusting the the process and where he's at and 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 doing the doing the thing and and that's really what it's about um and sometimes we have to live and uh you know twists and turns and all that um so i'm really thankful for edgar to come on the show and just share his wisdom and just his experiences and and uh and i love the way he's used kind of his his own hometown and uh his own uh you know, background and growing up in Wisconsin and kind of bringing that into the story. And I think that's a great way for those of us that are kind of trying to find ideas or, or how to, you know, what does a setting look like? What is a, a story? How does it kind of evolve? And, and just use what you know, use, use places you've been, use places you've lived. Um, and Edgar's a great example of that. So as I said before, uh, this is November and at the end of November we'll be leaving the Project Entertainment Network. Sad to see them go, but uh, we'll still be around and more interviews coming in the, the coming weeks. So check those out. Check out past interviews. Leave a rating or review on iTunes. That really helps us out as well. And uh, yeah, go check out uh, some of the courses that are coming out uh, soon. You can go see those on the website, theprolificwriter.net, and uh, hopefully those will serve you in a million ways. And before I go, I just have one more thing to say. Get those words on the page. And this is Ryan J. Pelton, and I'll talk to you real, real soon.